Time now for Breaking Bones with Dr. George Bari and Joe C. An informative but laid-back approach to sports medicine on 1010XL. Yeah. Now, let's break some bones. Welcome in Breaking Bones, cranking it out on a Sunday morning. Hopefully everybody's good out there. Sundays are supposed to be like all about you, right? You can rest, you can relax, you can go do something, whatever you want to do. Uh, but we are here for the next 30 minutes, a little breaking bones, talking sports injuries. Joe C. from XL Primetime and the man I call Gio. Gio! What's up, man? What's happening, dude? The the Sunday for you. Yeah. Are, are you ever mm-hmm. in charge of your own Sunday? Because, you, you know, you got the two kids, you got the uh, the wonderful Mrs. Dr. Barr. Mm-hmm. Are uh, you ever in charge? No. No. Let's be real, right? Because you say, like, you could wake up and you go, I got an idea of what we're going to do today. And you present it. And she takes a sip of coffee and just says, Yeah. By the time you go, like, you wake up and you, my son goes to uh, Sunday school Mm -hmm. and then church. Right. And then after church. And then talk to this person, talk to that person, have lunch, nap time for one of the kids. And now, you know. It goes, man. It yeah. goes so fast. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's hopefully there's a little bit of time where you get to uh, decompress. Uh, that's what Sundays are all about. All right, welcome in. Dr. George Barry, fellowship trained under the renowned Dr. James Andrews. We do talk sports injuries. He's the man, uh, orthopedically speaking, of course. And so if you need any medical advice, just hit the text line, 641-1010. Throw a question our way. Uh, it could be any ache or pain in the joint area. You're just looking for advice, free medical advice. We will definitely help you out. Uh, I, I, I described last Sunday as a ballless Sunday, Geo, because there wasn't any football uh, that fans were going to be able to watch, but we saw plenty of other uh, great sports. We didn't see the Daytona 500 until Monday night, uh, and there weren't any like crazy, crazy crashes, but it did uh, end up being like, I don't know, a 20-car pileup right there at the end of the race. And I don't know if you know this, you're an F1 guy. And you've been treated to some of those just awesome experiences where in Miami and Austin, where else? Uh, that's it. Yeah. And so da- I, I go to Daytona as often as I can, didn't get, didn't get to go down there this week. But anyway, it got my, my, my fuel in my belly going mm-hmm. because I love seeing it. I love, but we, thankfully we didn't have a whole lot of bad crashes or guys that were coming out of there getting hurt or anything like that. But the difference between my stock car racing, okay, <clears throat> They are described as 3,500-pound machines. I don't know if you know how much your F1 cars weigh. Uh, I'd have to look. It's in kilograms, Joe. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah I do. I, total, total different uh, tonnage chart that you're using. It's uh, 1,700 pounds. Okay, 1,700 pounds. Okay, so about half of what I'm talking about. And the beautiful thing about the NASCAR car is it's nailed to the ground, and in a lot of ways it's very safe for these drivers to not have to deal with injuries. Are there a lot of injuries in F1? I know there aren't nearly as many big crashes in yeah. F1. Um, I, I would say there's, I mean, you know, a couple years ago you had that big fire. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they have that halo thing, which, you know, NASCAR kind of had the same thing after yeah. the big accident It was the Hans ago. device, yeah. yeah. Had, it's not the same thing, let me rephrase that. It's yeah. a safety device that they implemented. Mm-hmm. Obviously the halo and the Hans are two different, very different things. But the halo... Uh, kind of like a mini cage, not a cage, but it's a big bar. Mm-hmm. It's like having a football helmet with the one bar in front of it. That's wild. Right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I will say last year, I think it probably saved two lives. Yeah. Uh, if, if if you look at the crashes and the way they were, and you know that's what people were talking about after, mm-hmm. that, that big old huge bar right. probably saved one. 
uh, was um, Hamilton almost had a tire hit his head, but it hit oh. the bar. A, oh. car, a car just basically went up over it. And then another one, uh, a car flipped, and they just dragged him along. And if it uh-huh. wasn't for the bar, it would have been his head. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. So. It, it really is. The safety measures that they've gone to, we don't really appreciate because they're moving at such an unbelievable speed. And and people who are doing the R&D, the research and development, they're trying to play out the worst case scenario and make sure those cats are protected, which yeah. is something else. So this is one that jumped out at me, Gio, uh, because... Uh, the NASCAR has made it safe, like you said, ever since the tragedy of Dale Earnhardt dying, they really needed to take that Haas device seriously, and there's a few other uh, uh, safety precautions that they had, because way back when, the legendary story was that Dale Earnhardt, he would put on whatever the Haas device, I'm trying to think of the other, uh, it was a Simpson or something, whatever it was, he would get in his race car and basically undo everything. He would just undo it. And so whatever he was supposed to do, so you could watch him pull out of pit road, that he's safe, once he starts going 200 miles an hour, it's like him taking clothes off and getting ready to go to the beach. Yeah. And I, it was just phenomenal to think that that's how, how he viewed danger. He didn't care. Yeah. And so anyway, I'm watching the race the other night, and there's a big 20-car pile up, and they have so many killer camera angles and so much that they can go back and show you car to car to car in the wreck, they make the wreck look so simple. Honestly, they do, because there's so much safety wrapped around these cars. Well, the one main thing was, as soon as they start to crash and cars are going everywhere, you will see guys, and I'm just gesturing to Geo, that will cross their arms and hold hold them close to their body and basically take their hands off the wheel Mm -hmm. because they've gotten broken wrists from the wheel, holding on to it. Yeah, so apparently you're supposed to do that. I mean, last year uh, F1 had a guy who who did that, broke his wrist. Yeah. Because he held on to the wheel when he crashed to the wall. And then the other one where if they have their thumbs and they're fully gripping the wheel, it could rip your thumb off. I mean, just imagine going that fast. Yeah. You know? Oh, and there were a couple of cats that were tough. They were like, I ain't letting go. And and they folded their thumbs to the top, but they were able to hang on. Like Denny Hamlin, a really experienced driver, whereas other guys, like, I, I guess it depends on where you're at in the wreck. Yeah. You know when to pull your hands yeah. away. Probably. I mean, I think once you feel like this is inevitable, mm-hmm. you probably do that. But if you feel like you have a chance yeah. to save yourself from yeah. the crash. But, yeah, I mean, if you're doing those races. Yeah. You're living on the edge. Now, you want to hear another cool story, because I think you and I have talked about this, that we will order up some actual racing gear, and we'll put it in the Bari compound, where we can learn how to race. You can race F1, I can learn how to race stock cars. You want to get a sim racer? Yeah. The dude that won was a gamer. Yeah. And he was a sim racer. Isn't that awesome? That's crazy. That just, I, I don't know, like, I think I've asked you dumb questions like this before, how did you learn to make sure that you passed orthopedically when it came to surgery? In other words, did you, did you have simulated so surgeries? So we have these things called sawbones where it's just like a, a bone made out of dust. Well, mm-hmm. not dust, but like, yeah, compacted dust. It's, it's yeah. hard, it's, and, and you drill through it, and you practice through it, but that doesn't include a, a nerves, arteries, blood, muscle, wow. tissue, right? Yeah. It's just a piece of bone, fake mm-hmm. bone. Uh, really it's humans. I mean, you just, I mean, there's anatomy lab, we have cadavers, but Mm -hmm. no cadaver gets you ready for the real thing when there's actually blood, you know, at you. And then if you cut something, it's a big problem and the tissue tensioning is different. So really 
I mean, you'd have some cadaver, you have some sawbones, but what you really need is is bodies, is right. a human body, a live human body, and yeah. that's what residency is for. Yeah, because uh, explain this real quick, and if you guys have a sports injury, six four one ten ten. I occasionally get fascinated. I am a radio doctor. I know you guys know that, but I occasionally get fascinated with that next level doctoring that uh, Geo does. Uh, but the you go into a, in, into any surgical procedure, the patient has to hear all the warnings, the possibilities yeah. of what could go well or, or perhaps maybe not be 100%. And nerves are one of the main things that it's, you guys... I mean, yeah, so really the the basic, the, the classic is damage to nerve arteries, vessels, um, you know, nerve vascular trauma, mm-hmm. risk of death, right? Risk of anesthesia and risk of infection. Those are, for almost any case, those encompass globally the risks of any surgery uh-huh. obviously all very very rare right and then every surgery has its own specific uh risks that are pertinent to that surgery itself mm-hmm. uh but i mean look there's always a risk for anything right um uh, but i would say it's all very rare oh yeah yeah it, it's crazy though to think of it but that's for sure all right six four one ten ten. if you guys got a question you can jump in we'll uh, talk sports injuries i got a couple left over from last week that i want to make sure that we get to but i thought i'd throw a couple of baseball things at you real quick uh and one of them is shohei otani uh, because pitchers and catchers are reporting uh this past week and then you got mo- uh, full teams showing up and they're all starting to get together uh with spring training and it could be uh, down in South Florida, it could be out in Arizona in the desert. Well, the Dodgers used to be in Dodger Town, man. I sure do miss them down in Vero Beach. But they are in Arizona now, so they're out there in the Cactus League. And Shohei Otani, a Dodger, shows up. And this is his first sight of him since the elbow surgery that he had. Second Tommy John for him. Anyway, he gets in uh, a little BP and hits him a little dinger. Sends it right out of the ball yard. So give us an idea the fact that he went through Tommy John surgery, this is the second time he's gone through this, Geo in his career. We're not going to see him pitch for the entire 2024 season. Uh, but isn't it incredible that this guy's back and swinging the bat? Yeah, I mean, it's great. How You said he's six months? Yeah, I'd say it's in that uh, – actually, I don't think so, G. I don't think it's been that long. I think we're talking the injury was in September. I want to say – I'm going to look here and see if I can find the actual date. But we're talking uh, October, I think, may have been when they made the determination and, and finally did the surgery. So we're not talking about nearly yeah. as long as I thought. So if you if you look at – there's actually a study in 2020 about this. And if you look at the numbers, base, professional baseball players who had a UCL surgery mm-hmm. – and then went back to batting, um, on average, did not hit in batting practice until, a pro- on average, mm-hmm. 6.5 months and did not hit in a real game until about 10.7 months wow. after. Yeah. And then they did not begin swinging until about five months. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that's an average. So you have a little bit above, a little bit below. Mm-hmm. But that gives you a timeline. <clears throat> so 10.7 months is a little shorter than pitching. Right. Pitching, we talk about at least 11, 12 months, and then sometimes even longer. We've seen that. Yeah. But not by much, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you look I at the average, I mean, it's about three, four, maybe three months less on average if you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, I was a little surprised too when I, when I, looking at it here. But um, look, he ain't no Aaron Rodgers, but still. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it was the, the procedure was performed, Curlin and Job Orthopedic Clinic in LA. 
Dr. Neil Elitrosh, mm-hmm. I call him the Geo of the West. Yeah. All right, he said that he had he expected Otani to be fully recovered and ready to hit without restrictions by opening day. Now I, I'm going to caveat what I just mentioned was a UCL reconstruction, right? And not a, not a repair, exactly. So, so a go through different. that, yeah. Re- because if you don't mind explaining it, because reconstruction and repair, and we can also. Well, I'll use Brock Purdy as an example coming up here in a second, but at least explain that. So reconstruction is when you have to get put a new ligament to replace the UCL. Repair is when you repair that ligament, and it really depends on the tear pattern, and that dictates which one you can do. Mm-hmm. He had a repair. Repairs do come back quicker, and they can come back faster, right? So that is the main reason why he's able to come back sooner than when we just talked about 10.7 months. Exactly. Right? And, and that's yeah. for a reconstruction, which takes longer. And that's what mm-hmm. we talked about, pitchers, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 right. months for reconstruction. Yeah. And it just blows my mind that we now have reached medically the point where you and others, if you do do procedures and it's not a full reconstruction, it's a repair, that you can get people back out there. He's 29 years old. He's had two Tommy Johns now. Like we said, not the full reconstruction, <clears throat> but he is able to go back out there. The way Elatros described it was that Shohei wanted to make sure the direction taken gave him every opportunity to hit and pitch for many years to come. Uh, that was from the agent uh, and basically said that he's going to try and do everything he can to be able to do both of those as long as he can. I, I told you on XL Primetime earlier this week, Gio, there's a reason why we had Babe Ruth a century ago mm-hmm. do what Shohei has basically been doing here for the first handful of years in the, in the bigs. Yeah. That's rare. Yes. It's rare. Not common. And um, maybe he needs to go back and do both because he has to get the rest of his two whatever, $300 million Oh, he's getting gobbed, <laughs> the back dude. end. I, I love the deal. If you don't remember this, uh, the L.A. Dodgers signed Shohei that were the big sweepstakes, and it comes out that he's signed this mega, mega deal, but he is not going to get all of it until 2036. So he moves to a state where he yes. doesn't get taxed like a mother. Uh, and so he's basically getting a $2 million annual salary. It's nuts what the, what the Dodgers were able to do. Kudos to them. And then Yamimoto and all the, all the other guys that they got, which is just unbelievable. All right, 641-1010. If you've got a question uh, when it comes to a sports injury, definitely jump in. I want to ask you a question. I read, yeah. and I, I didn't read the article. Mm-hmm. I read the, the headline. As, oh, I thought you were going to say you yeah. looked at the pictures. All right, go ahead. <laughs> there was just a headline, and, and I saw him passing that said, Fans are upset about the new Major League Baseball uniforms. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I, I feel like tradition and baseball are two things that you hear all the time, and that anytime you change things up, that you're definitely going to get backlash. And I feel like when you take a look at what has happened in, in the NBA, and I know you're, a, you're an NBA man, uh, answer this question. Are you bothered by any of the unis that you see in in NBA these days? I feel like there are some that they look stupid. You mean like the design? Yeah. Yeah, but the design is different. As They're complaining about like the stitching and the yeah. fabric. And- right. I feel like there are some of them that look stupid that, yeah. okay, well, what were you thinking? And they abandoned the colors from whatever, you know, right. been forever. So I totally get uh, all of that. But when you're talking about, I mean, this is straight out of the George Costanza playbook, okay? He's watching his guys out there 
uh, with the Yankees looking fatigued and tired, and he goes and changes what they're wearing. He goes, takes them to, what did he, he went from cotton to, what did he go, from polyester to cotton? Is that what he did? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to pull, I'll have to pull the sound bite and hear it. But, like, I guess if everyone's complaining, there must be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one guy says from the Orioles, it looks like a knockoff jersey from TJ Maxx. That's hilarious. When you start criticizing the people who are making the unis, which you know this is a high-dollar affair, uh, they are not going to take lightly to it. I'm not even sure who the provider uh, of MLB unis is. Nike. It is Nike? Nike, and it's it's now tailored to be more performance and lighter fabric. Oh, yeah. And they got the dry fit and uh, and all the, the, the body IQ that goes along with it. I guess I have to take a look, but that's what they're, they're fired up about it. Are they, what, what would they actually have to do if all these players rebelled against these unis by the time we get to opening day? They're not going to. I mean, it's a uniform. It's a shirt. Yeah, exactly. Just relax. Come on. All right, I'm going to see if I can pull up at least what some of the big guys have said. But, yeah, that's a classic story. All right, 641-1010. Let me throw a question at you, Geo, and then I'm going to see if I can find the actual. Do you have the construction of these unis? <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find it here real quick. All right, so. This is a question off the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, basketball season for a lot of uh, high school kids either playing on or coming to an end. So this question is, daughter plays high school basketball, season over, now, and then sad emoji, uh, but she fell badly on her wrist on a breakaway, really got knocked down to the ground, dirty play. Uh, what is the best way to treat a hard fall on a wrist. Uh, I would just put some ice and compression, maybe ice and a brace on it. Uh, you could take anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So first thing I would do, give it a week or so, as long as you don't think it's broken right now. If after a week you're still struggling, still having pain, then I'd, I'd get it checked out and get an x-ray. Um, the, you know, the caveat to that is mm-hmm. if you think it's broken or if, if there's pain, a severe pain out of proportion, then you should definitely... Go get X-ray. Before. All right, I'm asking. I'm asking this question myself. Uh, should swelling go down, or is that one of the chief indicators? No, so, uh, I mean, of a fracture. Mm-hmm. If you have a fracture, swelling tends to stay longer. Now, if you have a sprain, okay, um, or a strain, it can still stay there for a couple of days. You right. Know, so you can't just go by swelling alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but swelling mm-hmm. in a fracture just tend to to stay longer, uh, and you get ecchymosis, you get bruising. If you, more, if you get a fracture, although you can have that just with a fall without a fracture. So the symptoms kind of overlap a little bit, and sometimes it's tough to tell. But if it's really bad and you're, and you're really worried, get x-ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Good advice, 641-1010. And don't forget, you can uh, check out barriorthopedics.com if you need to go and see uh, someone where you can get an x-ray done. Obviously, there are um, uh, x-ray places all over uh, the First Coast, that's for sure. All right, 641-1010, a couple of other ones i got to bring up. Uh, Tiger Woods is going to lead me to another golf question about John Daly uh, but and, and um, uh, Will Zalatoris. But Tiger Woods pulls out Friday this past week. I was hoping we would see him all the way through the weekend. It was out in Riviera. It was a four-round no-cut. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. I take that back. Mr. PGA Tour guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> it's a signature event, and some of the signature events are no-cut. But the big three, the one that Tiger hosts, the one that Arnie hosts, and the one that Jack Nicholas hosts, and Arnie's no longer with us, but still in his name. <clears throat> anyway, those are signature events with a cut. 
top 50 in ties, and then anyone within 10 shots of lead. Anyway, Tiger withdrew Friday from his own tournament, and he ended up saying it was flu-like symptoms. Well, the day before, it was uttered that he might be suffering from back spasms. Anyway, we get in this argument on XL Primetime Geo yeah. because JJ decides to drop the notorious quitter label on Tiger Woods. And I'm like, what? And he goes, oh, come on, he quits all the time. I'm like, bro, have you seen what this man's been through to basically stay out on the golf course? It is an old, broken body right. uh, in, in, in a professional golfer's world. So since 2014 to 2024, you know the total number of times he's withdrawn? 2014 to 2024, 10. Seven. Oh, really? Yeah, seven. That's it? Yes, exactly. And, and and a lot of that was after his car accident where he tried to come back and couldn't. Right. And then after his back surgery, we yeah, tried and, to come back. Uh, yeah, they go, uh, he withdrew from this event, dot, dot, dot. Uh, he had a, a microdisectomy uh, three weeks later or whatever. All I right. mean, come on. No, yeah, that's, that's way less than... That's way less. Yeah, and so anyway, uh, we we got we we had the, the big go around on that one. And then but, he had a, apparently an IV bag was given to him. Yeah, and so they did say he was tested for, uh, and it was the dreaded influenza, and that he had to replace the fluids and all that kind of stuff. This always goes back to what you tell us, Geo, that these guys get every bit of care. It doesn't matter what it is, what they're suffering from. Yes. So Tiger, you can just imagine. They pull him off the golf course, they take him right into a triage yeah, area, and IV. everything is taken care yeah. of. Yeah, he gets an IV. I yeah. mean, did you get an IV when you had the flu? No, no. And, and, and Matt Hayes, I mentioned to him, I said, you probably should have gotten an IV. He's well, like, speaking of calling out, Hayes over there. Yeah. Ooh, he's got the, he called <laughs> us the walking death, uh, but it was walking pneumonia, which is yeah. kind of serious. Yeah. Uh, all right, I need to bring up Will Zalatoris, and I think this is a good story because Gio... You know, I think you and I might have had this discussion last week. People always take the word surgery and twist it around like it is the worst, th- worst thing ever, okay? And sometimes it's the smartest thing to do, all right? And you laid the case out very well. It's not like you're willing to pull people into the operating room, but be sensible. If I won't get one. Yeah, there's certain treatments that will work and other ones that won't. Anyway, Will Zalatoris withdrew from last year's Masters, okay, because he had back pain. He had gone through herniated disc in the fall of the previous year, tried to come back, maybe did a lighter procedure, and was not able to. So this time when he withdrew from the Masters, he says, I'm going to the operating table. Two days later, he underwent a microdisectomy. Herniated disc, the prior August, accelerated his return timeline too quickly. And he says, i got to shut this bad boy down. He said, I'm not making the same mistakes. Didn't swing a club for a few months, and then now is really starting to play some solid golf. So microdisectomy, explain that. And, and, and yeah. honestly, if you have that type of serious injury, you need to treat it seriously. Yeah, microdisectomy is when you go, when you go in, basically, and, and a discectomy is when you remove the disc that is sticking out and uh, pushing on the nerve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it is a surgery. It's it's not a quote unquote big surgery in the sense that you don't have a massive scar. You're not staying at the hospital. Um, you can really go back to golf. They say now, depending on where, where you read, some people say ten weeks, which is about two and a half months. Some people say three to four months. So somewhere in that range, you can go back and mm-hmm. start golfing, and which is not too long, right? right. I mean, it's not a massive uh, length of time. No, 
but uh, it's definitely doable, and, mm-hmm. and we've seen many golfers, many golfers do that. But basically, yeah, discectomy would remove that piece of disc that's pushing um, on the nerve. The problem is you do have a chance of re-herniating because mm-hmm. now, so the disc once it comes out, that means there's a tear in the annulus, which is what's the the surrounding tissue that keeps the disc together. Right. It's like having a donut, and there's a hole in the cover of the donut. And now the jelly just keeps coming out. So you might you the jelly comes out, and you could wipe off the jelly that came out, but the hole is still kind of there. Yeah. And so sometimes that jelly can more jelly can come out in the future. Right. Right. So that that becomes the issue, and once you have um, a herniation, herniated disc, it can lead to many things down the road. So like grease in a gear, you have to have a housing to keep that grease in there. You made me hungry with the donut, so I figured I'd start thinking of something else. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a great way, a, great, a very descriptive way to explain it because that's gear on gear or disc on disc, and that can cause a major problem. All right, one other golf one, and I, I just kind of gravitated over here because I wanted to work a, a, another baseball in, but I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Uh, from John Daly, he said over the weekend, unfortunately, I had the WD for osteoarthritis in my left hand after my second shot on six hit the hard ground, causing a flare-up, hoping to get through next four months after doctor's injections. And so he says he's going to see Brian Wallace of Naples. Thank you, Dr. Brian Wallace. So what is he saying, doctor's injections? I mean, that could be many things. It could be cortisone. Right. PRP. Mm-hmm. And you can do PRP with osteoarthritis? Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. I mean, uh, that, stem cells. I mean, it doesn't sound like he had stem cells, but right. PRP or cortisone. And Explain I, uh, osteoarthritis. So basically just arthritis is when you have loss of cartilage in the body, right? Mm-hmm. So now your bone is, is exposed. And the reason arthritis hurts is because cartilage that you have in, in, in your joints does not have any pain fibers. Right. So when you lose the cartilage, your bone is showing. Your bone has pain fibers. That's why it hurts when you break your bone. Mm-hmm. And so now when your bone is showing, it is painful when you move and walk. And that's why arthritis hurts. And so what he had, you know, some WD-40, the uh, cortisone shot or the PRP shot, just to kind of help that inflammation and pain and try to get him through. Mm-hmm. All right, good stuff. Now, anybody who suffers from anything like that, especially when it comes to the uh, arthritis part of this, that's an area you have some so, expertise so in. So, speaking of which, did you, he said WD-40. I had a squeaky door in my house. Yeah, yeah. Right? Actually, it was my garage door. It was mm-hmm. very squeaky. So, I I thought WD-40 mm-hmm. would oh, be, yeah. you know, right? Mm-hmm. So, I Google it, and there's like, to buy it, and there's like seven different types of WD-40. <laughs> So then Everything's got I Google, and did you know that the, the old school WD-40 can that we think about is actually not, that actually dries out mm-hmm. hinges. Yeah. You need to do white lithium. Yeah. I'm an old, I'm an old blue collar guy. I didn't know that. All right. So, so I had white, to buy white lithium and I sprayed and I've been, I go, I went around my house just spraying every single joint because I loved how much it worked. <laughs> I'm just like spraying everything. <laughs> now here's what's cool. Uh, I don't know if white lithium is silicone spray. Yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah, white okay. silicone. Maybe. Silicone yeah. spray is definitely a yeah. good, cleaner way to do it because WD-40 not only dries out, it attracts dust. Yes. And so it'll too. pull it in because it's dust is looking for someplace to go and it grabs onto it because what? It's 
that's grease, pulling it in, and the bottom line, next thing you know, you have something that becomes a little more... So I don't know. I mean, it's very important because I think people just grab WD-40, spray it, yeah. and, and the problem comes back. And, and then there's graphite spray. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Which, like, saying, going back to the gears we were talking about, sometimes that's good in hinges and whatnot because the graphite will grab and go in there and just kind of give you almost like a little bit of a, a pillowy huh. effect to You know it. more about this than you do about golf when Dude, you're Dude, I'm a blue-collar man. Cut to the core. I'm a blue-collar man. All right, I think we're out of time. We had a good time, though. Listen, uh, all we are here for is therapy, okay? We're just trying to get your Sunday going. Uh, If you have a sports injury question while we are wrapping up, make sure that you hit us 641-1010, and then next week we will be talking about rehab, physical therapy. So if you have a question about that, uh, we'll should, have, should the questions in now if you guys yeah. have any questions so we could bring them up next week exactly because even I'll, though we're getting off there we'll see it yep I will be inviting uh, rebound rehab in uh, to make sure that they give you a little bit of a path when it comes to physical therapy and coming back from injuries auto accident whatever it might be just let us know six four one ten ten we are done we had a great Sunday we hope you do as well enjoy it you've got everything to look forward to today and then we'll be back with the drill tomorrow morning and of course XL prime time tomorrow afternoon Joe C along with Dr George Bari. You've been listening to Breaking Bones with Dr. George Bari and Joe C. on 1010XL.